Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is a wine geek, theatre geek, and marketing geek. Professional service businesses hire his consulting firm, The Prepared Group, to unearth revenue hiding right in front of them by designing and implementing customized strategic marketing systems. Please give a very warm welcome to the show, David Bear. How are you doing? Oh, Paul, I never have been greeted with such enthusiasm before today. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. I'm just just getting you all excited, you know, ready ready for the show. That's what it's all, that's what it's all about. So, listen, David, I wanted to jump straight in today. Now, I'm a whiskey man, love Lafroy, but you are a wine man, theatre, marketing. I'm intrigued. How does wine, theatre, and marketing all go together? Uh, it's it's my uh, professional trajectory, and and I got to say, just before the pandemic hit, my family was actually planning a trip to Scotland. And so I was learning all about whiskey and I was raring to go. And, and uh, then of course the trip got canceled. So we will be getting there at some point, but um, the, the, the quick story uh, about um, all of those things and how they connect with each other is right out of school, actually before school, when I was a kid, I was a performer. I, I actually performed in a Broadway musical. Um, for, for those of you in the UK, that's the equivalent of the West End. Yes. And then I uh, sort of was thinking I would become a professional stage manager, which I did for a while. Then I went into arts administration, arts marketing, and transitioned into wine marketing, which actually is very similar to arts marketing because it's event production, right? I did giant trade shows uh, filled with wine, which is, you know, <laughs> what's better than that? Uh, and then I, I worked in a number of years in that field transitioned to marketing for wineries and I ran a Facebook ads agency. And then ultimately that put me where I am today in uh, my marketing strategy consulting firm, which I hope we'll get to. Yeah, yeah, de definitely. You know, I'm very, very big about strategy and, and people love listening to that stuff on the show. So let, let's talk about growth opportunities. Now, the, there's a lot of opportunities that people miss in business. Yeah. What do you feel one is a big one of the biggest opportunities is businesses are missing right now? Well, I, I think the whole premise of the work that I do these days is that most businesses think about marketing in a way that's completely broken. And you know, we'll we'll get into why it's broken, but when they fix this broken approach to marketing, they can easily double, triple, even quadruple. We've seen this uh, with some of our clients, uh, their revenue. And so there's really an overall approach to, to thinking about marketing, the role of marketing in your business that needs to get fixed. And, and you know, there's a, there's a bunch of areas. Uh, I, for, for anybody who's seeing this on video, I have a chart behind me that, that covers a lot of those. Um, and, and so, you know, why, why don't we dive into some of those, if, if that makes sense? Yeah, de definitely. I mean, I went on, uh, when I was doing my research, you know, you've got your predictable revenue checklist you can actually get that at the preparedgroup.com slash checklist and one one of the sections on there talks about your wow program so how do you like surprise delight and wow customers and i'm really really intrigued by by that and how you apply that to your marketing sure so so let's give you a little context for what for what you just talked about paul um 
the majority of businesses out there really think about marketing or client attraction uh, in a couple of places. One is the front end, getting new people in the front door, getting new people to the website, getting new people, you know, uh, phoning up, whatever the mechanism is in your business. And then the other thing that they focus on is getting referrals. And we get we have a lot of people who, uh, you know, when we approach them and, and talk to them about what we do and they say, oh, no, I don't need your help. I, I, I work off referrals. And then, you know, Ken or I will normally say, oh, cool. Tell me about your referral system. And then there's just silence, right? Because, <laughs> because they have no system for referrals. Um, in between, there's all of this additional opportunity that people are missing. Uh, and one of the areas that, that you spoke about, the surprise, delight, and wow, is really all about how do you go deeper on the relationship with your existing clientele because in fact, that's where the majority of the money gets made in most businesses, not getting new people in the door, not getting referrals that occasionally show up by chance, but by managing the relationship with your existing clients in a way that really gets them to stick to you. And that's where surprise, delight, and wow comes into place. Because how do you get that relationship to go deeper if you are able to programmatically put into place in the, the, the regular operation of your business, things that demonstrate that you're going above and beyond, not in the thing that you're doing, not, not in the delivery of your service, not within your product, but things that are outside of that, that initially when you engage in the, the new relationship with your, your prospect and they turn into a, a customer or client, the very first thing that they do is A, they go, wow, I wasn't, I, I knew I made a good idea, you know, a decision here, but I wasn't expecting this, right? So what can you do to get that reaction? But then just don't stick there with just that one time right? the onboarding process is often a place where you can, you know, over deliver. And, 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 you know, one, one of the mechanisms that is commonly discussed is sending out a, a an onboarding gift, a box filled with, you know, cool stuff, right? Um, but how do you do that consistently over the course of the relationship and continue to reinvest in that relationship? Because it will not only get that individual to want to spend more money with you, want to invest in, in your business and invest in themselves, depending on what it is that you do, but also to refer you. And then we help build mechanisms around referrals. So systems that actually can be put in place to get referrals from those super happy clients of yours. Yeah, and it, it makes total sense. You know, we're, we're massive fans of, of customer wow. Did you did you have customer wow when you're doing the wine marketing and, and stuff like that? Like, have you got any great examples of that? Yeah, you know, back in, in the days of both the theater and the wine, I think there was probably plenty of that um, that I, I never really paid much attention to. But here's an example of the the customer, um, wow, the over-delivery that we did in the wine industry. So I'm, I'm a certified wine educator. I was the marketing director for a, a wine importer and distributor. And one of the things that we did... Uh, and this is probably the first time I've ever made the connection between the over-delivery and, and this activity, was my sales reps 
Um, I call them my sales reps. I was like, they were the sales department. I was the marketing guy. Um, the sales reps would go and sell wine into restaurants, for example. And they would make a deal that I don't think anybody else in our space was making with a lot of the, the wine staff. Normally you would say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll uh, get you to place this, uh, this wine on your list as a wine by the glass pour, because there's a big margin for the restaurants. There's, there's a guaranteed reordering, right? So there's, there's continuity in, in payment uh, to us as the distributor. And so that, that was like a, a big deal. And often what a rep would do is they would say, you know, and I'll come in and I'll do like a little, a little tasting with the staff so that they can taste the wine so they can recommend it. Right. What we did was they would say, and I'll have our certified wine educator on our staff come in and do a full training, not just on the wine, but on the region, talking about wine pairings. If we want to get them together with your chef and we'll, we'll do a bunch of sort of um, playing around with food so that they not only even learn this wine in context, but learn more about wine, we can do that for you. Do I get the order, right? So, so it was like a little tit for tat, but... I did that regularly. I would go and I would teach wine classes to, uh, to, to entire wait staffs in New York City. It was great. I loved it. And I imagine as well, you tend to get a higher, higher level of clientele because the kind of restaurants that would like that kind of thing of doing all the wine pairings are going to be the ones who have those more specific combinations and stuff rather than the, oh yeah, we don't care. We just want some wine on the list. Yeah, absolutely. We were not a commodity wine uh, distributor, which, which, actually required this course, this sort of hands-on approach because we were selling super geeky wines that, you know, I, I'm sure in the whiskey space, there's, there's, you know, a similar thing, but, you know, biodynamically farmed and uh, a certain sort of um, uh, worldview of the growers. And, and it was all, you know, natural, um, uh, you know, native yeast fermentation and other geeky stuff that I won't get into here. And so wine, uh, wine um, people who were writing the wine list had to really buy into all of this. So it had to fit the program of the restaurant. And therefore, you know, um, it wasn't just a commodity that was going to show up on the list and they didn't care what it was. Mm. It's, it's interesting that I noticed looking through doing, doing the research on you, a lot of the time we talk about people have got a broken strategy or maybe they've even got no strategy at all. So yeah. Why do, you, why do you think a lot of businesses focus on tactics but miss a strategy? And, you know, how, how can a business become more strategic? Well, I think the, the first thing is that there's a, a lot of confusion about the difference between tactics and strategy. And that, that's a good place to start because I, I will, you know, encounter lots of people as we're, we're working with um, other people in the marketing industry uh, to build out what we do. We actually are, are licensing the content that we have to other uh, agencies, for example. And if, if I jump on LinkedIn and I'm starting to look for other professionals in this space, I can see all kinds of people who say, I'm a Facebook advertising strategist. Mm. Well, there is strategy within Facebook advertising, but there's, uh, there's lack of clarity about the difference between the tactic of Facebook ads and the strategy of marketing your business. And so that's, that's the first place we, we wanna start with a business owner who comes to us and says, hey, I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit more about what you do, is getting clarity between strategy, which is really getting from where you are to where you wanna be and considering all of the forces around that, both internal in your business and external, 
And then the tactics are the, the rungs on the ladder or the steps on the bridge or, or whatever you, you might, um, uh, however you might visualize it, the individual things that you choose to do to get from start to finish. And so that, that's, that's a, a key piece of it. Now, why is it broken? Because the way that marketing services, the way that advertising is sold to businesses it's sold by tacticians, mm-hmm. right? So, so I, 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 was, I was in the Facebook advertising agency space. What did I do? I didn't come into a business and say, I'd like to help you with your marketing. We happen to specialize in Facebook ads, but before I suggest that you hire me, why don't we step back and talk about all the other options and where you are and where you wanna go. And maybe I can suggest a competitor or a different option for you. Most, most people aren't gonna do that, right? They're gonna say, I can help you, here's my solution, buy it, right? And that's the big problem is because we, we as business owners are approached that way. That's the way that we think about what are we gonna do for our marketing? It's like repeated exposure as well, isn't it? Like just over and over and over again, people are just getting tactics thrown at them. And oh, you totally. Can, you think yeah. it's a magic pill as well to, you know, that, oh, and everyone's like, hey, this one secret's gonna change your life. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's that's part of our fault as as good marketers, <laughs> is that is that you you need to position things in a way that are going to get people to pay attention, and so when we use hyperbole or we use um, those sort of um, NLP commands to to get somebody to look at something and go, oh, I need that, well, yes. Um, but we're also kind of biting ourselves in the ass by doing that because, um, because it's creating problems for us in the, in the long run. And most tacticians who struggle in their business to help their clients often struggle in the same way that I did um, by losing clients for one of two reasons. The client has uh, no clear, no clear um, uh, expectations are not, are not set clearly at the beginning. And so they are having um, uh, either disappointment because they're not getting what they thought they were going to get. Or in the case, in the case of some of my clients as a Facebook marketer, I sent them so much traffic, they were overwhelmed by it, couldn't keep up and said, Hey, thanks. I don't need you anymore because I'm overwhelmed with stuff and we don't have the ability to even handle what you've sent us. Um, Maybe I'll come back to you in a few months when I need some more traffic. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's it's a, a big challenge, I think, in 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 all kinds of directions when it comes to understanding how best to approach marketing. But the big big problem is what I what I call the adver- advertising industrial complex, which is basically the way that we all think about you know advertising and marketing for our businesses. So let let's break down a, a few more of those those strategies that lead on the way, right? Because it's it's a whole customer journey that you're going through. Yeah, take people to the to, to the end, end of the yellow brick road, so to speak. Um, so what, what are some of the other key points that you see a lot of businesses miss? Um, so, you know, there's there's a couple of uh, things that we'd like to talk about with with businesses. One is really how poorly they're they're treating marketing as an important aspect of their business. Right. They are looking at it as a necessary evil, but it's not like they're thinking about the operations part of their business. It's not like they're thinking about the financial management part of their business, 
where they have very clear understanding around how things need to work, what the um, expected outcome ought to be, et cetera. But when it comes to marketing, the thing that actually drives all of the, uh, um, the business, they're sort of saying, well, I don't really know what it's going to be. So let me try this. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try that. So that's another piece of the puzzle in that it, it requires a education. It requires a mindset shift for business owners to really appreciate the importance of approaching marketing as seriously and with as much detail as they do these other pieces of their business. Why do you think people don't do that then? Well, look, most of us never went to school to learn how to run our businesses. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's not sure it's common sense once you learn these things. But the other piece of it is that most of us are creatures of habit. And if we've gotten into whatever habit we've gotten into around how we conduct our business or our lives, well, it's pretty hard to change that. And so, you know, for those of us who help people to solve whatever problem we're helping them solve, we're often faced with that, right? They're, they are stuck doing the thing that they're doing because they've been doing it the same way over and over and it hasn't worked. And so we introduce our solution and hope that we can get them to move out of that cycle and into a different direction. So this is, it's just, we're human beings. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I say, human nature. So I want, I want to shift gears a little bit as well and look at the, the other parts of running seven figure business. So I noticed, you know, you've done things like live events and you work with a lot of clients one-on-one, -on -one, but maybe also in a, in a group session. So how, how do you start to then build the team around all, all that thing to, to make everything run seamlessly? Cause you seem like kind of a relaxed, relaxed, fun going kind of guy that doesn't seem to start. So I'm guessing you've got a decent team behind you. Yeah. So first, first it was just um, Ken and myself doing all the consulting work. And what we realized was this is scalable to a point but obviously it's, it's the same old thing that we teach, you know, the, the coaches that we work with, et cetera. Um, the time for money thing is a problem, right? So we, we did a few things. First of all, when we started doing the work that we're doing now with the um, strategic marketing consulting, and we, we didn't have it packaged, we just had sort of piecemealed it. And it was, a, you know, hey, if you need help over here, here's the fee for that. If you need help over there, here's the fee for that. So the first thing we did was we combined it and packaged it into a price that was higher. And therefore we were guaranteed to make more money by sim simply selling the package as opposed to piecemealing. If then somebody wanted to piecemeal it, there was a premium cost for pulling out a section, right? So we first looked at our pricing and, and, and another piece of the pricing thing that we did was we both had worked for years. Ken was in the, um, uh, the, the uh, SEO and PPC uh, marketing space. He had an agency of his own. And before we got together, we were both doing sort of agency work, helping small businesses, large businesses, but the majority of our businesses were local mom and pop businesses a lot of whom had a budget of, oh, I don't know, $500 a month to spend on us. We needed to find a way to extract ourselves from that relationship because if anybody has ever been in this situation that we've been in, those are 
the neediest customers of all, right? They don't want to spend, they can't spend enough, a, a, a lot of money and they need much more than the $500 in value that you're, you're delivering. So that was another shift is that we started looking at the, 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 the client we wanted to work with who could afford to pay us more. And we kept bumping up our prices until we, we started to get price resistance. Mm. And we bumped it up pretty high. So that helped a lot, right? So it was still just the two of us doing the work. At a certain point, um, we got the idea that we needed to find a way to expand the business either by bringing additional um, folks in to work with us or finding external partners who could deliver what we were doing to their clientele. And ultimately what we decided was we're doing both. Yeah. And so, so the scaling actually was about, we got, we got a, a major deal uh, with a, um, a large internationally known uh, organization that licensed our content uh, and we became partners with them and we're reproduce, reproducing our consulting program inside of theirs. And that gave us the ability to say, oh, okay, now we have the funding from this project to bring on additional consultants who can start working with our clients. We have a support team. We have, we have uh, two people who are working with us locally in the US. We have uh, uh, VAs in India who work with us to support us as well. But we didn't have additional consultants until we had the opportunity to fund it from this licensing deal. And so that's when we started bringing in internally some people. And the initial idea we had about external execution, right? Finding somebody else outside. We hadn't really formulated how that would work until we got this licensing deal and we goes, aha, that's it, licensing. And so we've been building out, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm looking for um, folks on LinkedIn these days, traditional marketing agency owners, mar people who are aware of the broken system yeah. Or, or believe in what we believe and have the same worldview that we do when it comes to marketing, we are giving them an opportunity to actively change that for the better by becoming our licensees and working together with us. That gives us the ability to not have to take on the responsibility of the, the big staff, but to expand our reach in a way that internally in our organization, we never would have been able to alone. So does that keep you lean now as well then? Because you just yeah, like, we're we're still a small team. Yeah, yeah. Because you can. <laughs> yeah, so and 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 it, and it gives us, it also gives us agility, right? If um, you and I both attended an event uh, uh, just just about a month ago now, um, where we met a bunch of people who we had the opportunity to uh, partner with. There's probably half a dozen additional partnerships that we now have the ability to invest in because we're not building out a giant team internally. We don't have to focus on how do we manage the staff? Oh, well, we have to bring in a middle manager just for the staff management. We have the ability to work on all of these side, I call them side projects, but all of these partnerships in a way that it extends our reach but doesn't require more time from us. It requires our intellectual property and our participation and how do we sculpt it 
in a way that it will fit into this person's program and that person's software and the, right and this person's uh, coaching uh, you know program. So it's it's really I think given us a lot more flexibility by approaching it this way. That's, yeah, it's fa- fascinating stuff. And anyone listening to this, you want to listen back to that part. Or just that is a perfect example of strategy, not tactics. It's all about the strategy. So, D- David, one of the things that we ask everyone who comes on the show is what do you want to be remembered for when you die? The, I think, well, I think one, one of it, one of the things has to do with one of my, one of the two passions uh, um, that, that I shared with you earlier, which is the arts. I, I really want to, and I, and I, we haven't talked about this at all, but um, in the world of performing arts and, and culture, um, I spent time professionally in that. Uh, when I moved from New York out here to uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, I helped start a Shakespeare company. Um, performing out in the vineyards, uh, and and I would like to de- de- to have some sort of legacy in that space of contributing to arts and culture. Um, outside of that, I think you can tell that I'm equally passionate about helping businesses be better about the way that they think about growing their businesses, and so I, it, it is my sincere hope that we're able to build out our network of licensees in a way that we can reach and have affect a positive change in the way that more businesses um, think about and approach marketing so that they can grow, be more financially stable, let alone successful, and help um, put more money in the pockets of the owners and the people they're employing because Ultimately, that's that's what I think business is all about: is helping everybody who's who's a piece of that business to thrive in whatever way they can. And and so, if we can find a way to add some of what um, we do to more businesses, it'll help so many people. Mm. It, yes, it's it's fascinating that you've got both sides of those things. I'm cur- curious. You said you were in a Broadway musical when you were younger. What? what was- <laughs> Uh, so I was. Uh, it's a funny story, and and um, uh, I, I don't I don't know that I can go into the detail because I might get in, tr- in trouble from Actors Equity. But uh, I was in a musical back in 1983 that was on Broadway, which was a transfer from the West End called Me and My Girl. And um, I don't know if uh, most people probably won't know it. It was a uh, it was a um, revival of a show from the 1920s, and there was a uh, an actor comedian. Um, uh, uh, named Lapino Loop, I think was his name, back in the 20s in the UK. And this was sort of a vehicle for him. And it was a sequel to uh, another musical that was written for him. Boy, you, you, you're, you just opened a can of worms. I, ho- I hope you know that, Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a vehicle, it was a um, sequel to a, a musical called 20 to 1. And he was just a minor character in that. And he was a character, really sort of loudmouth character from Lambeth. Um, and uh, and so they loved that character, and then they made a second character, a musical featuring that character, where he has happens to be the long lost heir to a fortune, and and sort of the you know the the class uh, um, difference between the the cultured class and this guy from Lambeth who comes in, and uh, they're all trying to scheme and figure out how they can you know keep the money and not give it to this guy. That's that was the musical that I was in. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how those things like naturally develop over, over time as well. Right. Cause I used to be a wedding singer. So uh-huh. 
I know in the intro you were kind of like, whoa, this guy's like really enthusiastic. It's because you get used to putting yourself in state. And I'm sure you're the same when you start a podcast. You're like, right, performance mode, rather than kind of like, hey, I'm in my pants, just, you know, having a cup of tea kind of thing. You, oh, totally, totally. You find that find that as well with like taking those skill sets of that and then putting across in your marketing when you're presenting and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think that it's... <sighs> I, I was watching, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Um, I've, I'm really embarrassed by this because he's like one of the big um, late night talk show hosts in the US these days. Uh, Steven, gosh, I'm going to get it completely, <laughs> completely wrong. Uh, he's the one who took over for David Letterman. And now like everybody who's listening to this right now is yelling at their iPhone saying his last name and I can't remember it at all. Anyway, so so what he does is he, right before he goes on stage to, to do his monologue, he actually slaps himself on the face a couple of times to wake him up, perk him up. And then he has the sort of reminder and the energy to go out and, and do it. And I think anytime I get on a webinar, anytime I you know sit, sit down to record, record my own podcast or, or come on as a guest with somebody, I don't, sla- I, maybe I will start smacking myself in the face. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I, I automatically dial up what what is it? What is it they say in uh, in um, uh, this is Spinal Tap? Turn it turn it up to eleven, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I know that first of all, my my drab personality that I'm talking in meetings like this with is not going to cut it when it comes to getting somebody to remain engaged. You know yeah. when they're sitting here listening to the podcast. So I turn on the other David because it comes across and engages the listener that much more. Yeah. And that's something for people to know, you know, like neither of us are like this all the time, just kind of like <laughs> really excitable and just, oh, wow, everything's amazing. Um, however, when you're in those situations, like there is another level you can go to. So what, David, what is one quick win that people can use to amplify their business today? Well, the the, the one quick win that I would recommend is knowing the, uh, the name of the late show host. Uh, his name is Stephen Colbert. It just came into my head. Uh, <laughs> But the other, the other, <laughs> the other quick win that I, I, w- I would suggest is really what we were talking about earlier in terms of looking at what's right in front of you in terms of your business is so important because we often, you know, um, if, if you think about the, um, and now I've, now I've just, I'm getting old, so I'm forgetting everything. And I, and I was, I was going to try to remember the name of that book about the, um, the farmer who, you know, goes off to seek his fortune, Acres of Diamonds. There we go. Okay. Um, this, is, this is a classic tale of a guy who doesn't realize that the answer is right in front of him. And he goes off seeking diamonds in, a, in his fortune all over the world. He, he dies. And then the guy who buys his property finds diamonds right there on the property. This is what so many of us in our businesses are missing. And if you look at what assets you already have right in front of you and how you can build those out to have the business that you want to have, you don't need to be looking for new traffic and new leads all the time at the level that you are. And so that's the one, the, the one sort of quick takeaway that I want people to, to, to take from this because there's so much that's right in front of you that you're pr- probably not leveraging as much as you ought to. Yes, but that's par- powerful stuff. Look at what assets you've got that are underutilized and utilize them essentially. Yes. 
So what some figure entrepreneur would you nominate to be on the show next? You know, I, I have I have a good friend who uh, I think you know as well. His name is Adam Sarah. He is um, he is in the sales space, helping um, folks learn how to properly, ethically, and comfortably close sales. And he also provides this as a service. He has a team of people who do this as well. And um, I, I'd love more people to know what he's doing, learn a little bit of his secret sauce, and um, uh, he'd be great to have here. Fantastic. And then finally, David, it's been amazing having you on the show. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, the best place is to visit us over at thepreparedgroup.com. And Paul, you mentioned the checklist that we have there. It's thepreparedgroup.com slash checklist. If you didn't understand Paul's accent, I will use mine. Um, but uh, th th those are the two places. And, and if you uh, end up you know, getting the checklist, you'll be on our email list uh, until you unsubscribe, of course. If you get an email from me, hit reply and say hello and ask me questions. That's a great way to connect. Yeah, fa fantastic, David. And you've been listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast with me, Paul Ace, and my amazing guest, David Bear. Remember... Amplify your business and amplify your life. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast. To access the show notes, episodes, and this month's giveaway, head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify, amplify your, your life. life.